Welcome to this week's podcast from Gathering Place Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit our website at gatheringplacechurch.com. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. And we just want to continue right in this morning. Uh, we were, Bree and I were out of town last week. GBC kids, we love you guys. We're happy you're here. Also, uh, can we just welcome our online church as they're watching online this morning? We're happy you're here as well. Uh, but we know that summertime at church, everyone's got uh, vacations and family trips, uh, but we never take a vacation from God. So it's always great when you can stay plugged in, even if you're in another place. Uh, so Bree and I were plugged in last week, and man, we were encouraged as I heard my brother preach uh, for the first time, and man, from what I heard, he did such a good job, tackled a suf- tough subject for his first time uh, to preach, but man, he loves, him and Becca uh, loves our children as they are pastoring the kids, and uh, took, a, took some time to come and share in his heart and pastor with you. Uh, so we missed you. We love you. I'm biased. This is the best church in America. We love it here. And uh, we, amen. Yeah, that's good. We uh, try to bring it and just and bring a place where when we gather together, you can experience the presence of God and you can hear truth and you can be encouraged by the word of God. So this morning, uh, really, uh, the big idea that we've seen in the book of Ephesians is we have to ask ourselves the question of who we are what defines us, and what is our identity. When we ask those questions, it is the bedrock. How we answer them becomes the bedrock for our lives. And so I pray as uh, Ephesians is full of identity, it's full of theology, it's full of practicality, that through this series uh, that you have seen God, uh, his identity, the image of Christ, you've become made like him, and then you begin to see uh, works come up around your life and see how God has designed us to live. So this morning, as uh, we talk about, uh, Paul really shares something that in our time and day is now, unfortunately, can be controversial, what the Bible says about marriage and how marriage is and how it was designed. Uh, Several, or about a year ago, we did a series here called The Mystery of Marriage. And I would encourage you, go back on uh, our YouTube channel and watch some of those messages as it really gets into the heart of what, how Jesus designed uh, marriage. But when you say the word marriage, there's a, a range of emotions that come up. Many people have experienced uh, divorce or there's a lot of hurt or you might feel you're trapped in a marriage or maybe you're working through a lot of things or maybe things are great. So there's so many different perspectives and angles that come with marriage. But what I really wanna hone in on uh, is what Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, says of how we're to to walk in, what our responsibility as a husband and as a wife, and what those roles look like. And when we walk in that, there's harmony, there is peace, there's joy, you're walking in the way God has designed it. It's not absent of conflict, because when you start walking in the way God's designed something, the enemy's going to do everything he can to break it apart and try to cause division. Now, if you're here and you're single, statistics say that 90% of you will be married. So I pray that this message just would encourage you and would put an image in your head of, okay, when I step in as a husband or when I step in as a wife, this is what 
how I'm supposed to walk, and this is what my role, this is what it looks like to be in covenant with Christ as the head of our home and the head of our church, and this is how as a husband, I'm, I'm the head of my wife, and this is how uh, as a wife, I'm to respect and to walk in, dare I say, submission. Tough words, tough language, but we live in a society and we live in a world that has abused what it means to be a head. What is, I believe God is meant to be leadership in a home. We see dictatorship in a lot of homes of how men uh, just lead in, with their wives. And then you see um, what Paul is designed to be respectfulness and, and submission and what that looks like. It's been taken way out of context where uh, we, in a, in a culture and a society, we don't do good with authority or coming underneath authority. There's something in our flesh that just bucks that. But men, if we do our job, I'm a firm believer, and I've seen it as Bree and I have, have honed in and have tried to just ask for the grace of the Holy Spirit to do it is ladies have no problem submitting to a God-fearing, self-sacrificing, uh, serving man for their home and for their family. Ladies, isn't it easy to, su to submit to a man who loves Jesus and who brings Jesus into the home? And so my heart is, is I'm preaching to myself. And here's the thing that Paul says in uh, the scripture before Ephesians 5.22, he basically talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit saying that none of this is going to work and happen unless you are filled with the Holy Spirit because it will go against your flesh, it will go against your emotions. And so you have to be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's gonna be the ingredients, that's gonna be the chemistry that's going to make Christian marriage happen. We see uh, what a, a wedding or what a marriage can do is uh, record viewers tuned in to watch the royal wedding. Let me see who tuned in. You watched a lot of the royal wedding. It was awesome, and uh, there were so many different things about it where the, the priest who uh, pastored or who officiated that wedding, man, he preached the house down. I don't think they knew what to think about this priest, but he did awesome, and he talked about love, and it was a beautiful message. I'd encourage you to go online and watch it. But there's something about us where we're just captivated by love, we're captivated by a wedding. When you go to a wedding, if you're married, you kind of revisit all the, the giggles and the goosebumps and the joy and the happiness you had at your wedding and you're happy to see this couple start off on a, a new journey and a new season of life. So there's something about us that is attracted to us. Really, we are wired for to be loved and to love. And with this being such a, a hallmark in our lives, the enemy wants to come and try to twist submission, wants to try to twist leadership and headship and try to make it something it's completely not and as a result, cause disunity, cause anger and bitterness and things you see when a marriage isn't working or if you've seen it in your life. You know, even thinking of marriage in the world we live in today, saying marriage is between one man and one woman, we're already in a big contro controversy in the culture we live in today. Even saying marriage, uh, when you look at homosexuality and, and how the, the court ruling years ago, how it brought homosexuality into marriage. And so there's so much confusion, what I'm trying to say, around the topic and subject of marriage. And so Paul is a good pastor, one who was suffering for these Gentile people who were pagans who, uh, again, if you look at pagan culture and society, there was uh, women were completely devalued and had no worth, were basically there for the pleasure of a man. So this is 
the context of how Paul is bringing in marriage and what, how God designed love and how God designed unity to be. And so to them, I can tell you, they're like, whoa, whoa, wait, what, what is this all about? I don't, I don't think I can do this. And we see in a world and a culture today that the enemy wants to twist and water down marriage. Kenny, I believe it's slide five, but there is a quote from a church father who has amazing commentary through the book of Ephesians by the name of John Chrysostom. And he said that the force of society is welded together by strong marriages. That our society, our world, when it has strong marriages, our churches, our churches are really only as strong as our marriages. The love of a husband and a wife is the force that welds society together. That love that you have between each other, guess what? It bleeds strongly into your home, into your children, into your church, into your workplace. When your marriage is going right and your marriage is working and and pumping and functioning in the way God created it, don't you just see that there's peace in your life, that everything else just seems to work because the, the core of what God has brought together is working and is working well. And so I just want to read the scripture. I want it to speak for what it is, and then I want us to be challenged by it this morning as I've been praying and as I've been challenged by it. So are we ready to, to get into the scripture this morning? You guys feeling good? Okay, good, good, good. Ephesians 5, says this. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is head of his wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, this is key, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but they should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So he's blending in what the love between how Christ loves us and how we love him is the bride of Christ. He's pulling marriage into this. It says, nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his own wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. It was definitely a mouthful. There's definitely a lot there. And I think if we look at how Paul preaches to us, we see in our churches and in society at large that this is heavily attacked and it's heavily fought. And so my prayer is, as we just dive into some topics, as we dive into what kind of how God's designed for a husband to be and for Um, a wife to be, that we would just be encouraged and we would evaluate ourselves this morning and ask the Holy Spirit, what are areas that I can step up or what are areas maybe I just need to step back? And I pray that um, your marriages can find healing. You know, mine and Bree's heart here is that 
you would, we would, could bring healing to a broken world. That wherever your brokenness is, God word, God's word is medicine and healing for your life. Anyone thankful God's word is medicine for whatever you go through? It's powerful and we can never underestimate it. It's timeless truth and a truthless time. We live in a truthless time that needs timeless truth. And if we can get the timeless truth in us, then guess what? You'll begin to see, you'll begin to become like Christ and you'll see things as complicated and as complex as marriage work. We want marriage to work. We wanna be a church that has healthy marriages. And when you take time to focus in and allow the scripture to be medicine to you, great things can happen. Bree and I, we uh, meet with my parents who were elders here at the church and we take, t- we take time about once every two to three months and we sit down and say, hey, what do you see working in our marriage? What do you see not working in our marriage? We wanna work this out, we wanna be healthy. And so we put ourselves around people who can speak into our lives for our marriage. And if you're single or if you're in a relationship, I would challenge you to do the same, accountability and all those kind of things. There's a series I wanna do down the road called Love, Sex, and Dating where we can really hit in on those subjects as well. But for today, Paul's preaching um, on marriage. There's a couple pictures I wanna show you. I love officiating weddings. Um, there's a couple weddings that I've just been blessed uh, to officiate in my life. I think there's actually a picture of Bree and I when uh, we were first married. Our anniversary is coming up in September. Uh, so that's us there full of joy, life, and ready to tackle the world. Um, it's crazy to think that she's got a belly, a baby in that belly right now. Uh, but we're excited, and that was a wonderful day. Uh, there's a couple other pictures, Kenny. Um, it's just awesome when you see just the joy on their face. There's Caleb and Mackenzie. Their anniversary is actually today. Um, they were married out in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, where Mackenzie's from. Uh, a couple other pictures. This is uh, Sarah and Derek. Um, we grew up with Sarah here. Uh, at the church and uh, through some different things went and uh, has now come back and is a part of the church and we were able to reconnect with them, her and Derek, and uh, it was a beautiful wedding. And then one more, there's uh, a picture of, this was an awesome family wedding uh, for my cousin, my oldest cousin, Lauren, and her uh, husband, Taylor. Uh, They have a a beautiful, beautiful uh, marriage and it's just so awesome when you see a picture like that of people who are in love with each other and you just get a glimpse of what life is really all about. And as so many people send wishes and blessings, they say, I pray that you're as happy as you were uh, on the day of your wedding. What, what you see there, I pray, carries on wherever you go. And I love my cousin Lexi over there. She looks like she's about to sneeze, so she's having a good time. But it's always awesome when you see the joy on, uh, on their faces and the expectations and the desires and the passions and you're ready just to experience life together and dream together. And as I was just kind of reflecting on weddings and the scripture that usually uh, couples will pick out is the love chapter, we know it in 1 Corinthians 13. And as I was reflecting on Ephesians 5 of what we just read is it's so important to understand that when you read 1 Corinthians 13 and it talks about love, that love just isn't a theory or not an idea, but it's a person. So if you, if you kind of take the scripture that I want to read to you here and you remove love and you put Jesus in there, you'll begin to see that, oh my gosh, this is how Jesus loves me. This is how Jesus pursues me. And 
the key ingredient that anytime we sit down with a couple, they're wanting to go on the marriage journey is we always ask, have you experienced the love of Jesus? Do you know the love of Jesus for yourself? Because if you don't, you're not going to be able to love your spouse. You're not going to be able to love the people in your life because you're just loving on what you think is love or maybe what you've seen is love. But when you love out of a place of when you've been loved by Jesus, how many of you know this, that then you can love unconditionally. You can love people that don't love you back. It's awesome when you really get the love of God. So hear it this way, and this is what 1 Corinthians 13 would say, that Jesus suffers long and is kind with you. Jesus does not envy. Jesus cannot parade himself. Jesus is not puffed up. Jesus does not behave rudely. He does not seek his own. Jesus is not provoked. Jesus thinks no evil. Jesus does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Jesus bears all things. He believes all things in you. He hopes all things. He endures all things, and Jesus never fails. That is your Savior, and that is your King, and that is the one who loves you and wants relationship with you. And out of that, if you don't have the vertical relationship right, then the horizontal relationships in your life will not work. So this is a key, and this is the big idea that Paul is trying to get to us of, of how to model ourselves as, as a bride for Christ. Now, women and ladies, you've been practicing for your wedding since you were a little girl. It's easy for you to get what it means to be a bride. But for men, when you hear that, okay, how am I supposed to be a bride for Christ? Do they even make dresses that'll fit the size of my neck? You know, it's crazy. I don't get it. I can't relate with it. But when you really study it, what... Uh, Paul is saying here is that when, as a bride, it's the corporate body. So when it's not just individuals, but it's the church corporately sees Jesus as that groom, as that husband. And what you see is how a husband is supposed to love his wife is how Christ loves us as the bride. Jesus also, we see his leadership in our life. He leads us through five different things. He leads us as the head. He leads us as a savior, as a giver, as a sanctifier and cleanser, and as a nourisher and cherisher. This is your leader. This is your head. You here at this church, you, don't, you submit under Jesus is the head of this church. I submit myself to Christ who is the head of this church. So when we submit ourselves to him, we're submitting to the way Jesus does things. And my prayer is, and my heart is for the marriages, for the relationships in this house, is that we would see how Jesus loved, how he led, and as wives and as husbands, we would walk and pursue that love, and we would walk and pursue the way he handled things. What I love as well is just how blunt Paul is. He just says it, um, and he talks about what it looks like for the role of men and what it looks like for the role of women. So what I want to do, I want to take the next few moments and uh, just share uh, briefly just kind of expound upon what kind of Paul is talking to the women and then what Paul is talking to the men. So if you feel yourself getting a little sweaty or if it, you get a little tightened up or if you want to kind of nudge your spouse, I ask that you not for the next few minutes because my heart is when you kind of opened up Pandora's box or you open up these kind of things, we don't want you to leave here and go to a verbal battle over lunch of what he or she said, or what's going wrong, what's going right. But man, that we would focus on ourselves and we would do some self-reflection and we would ask the Holy Spirit to really open up this word for us and then we would just evaluate where we're at. And again, if you're single, 
90% of us will get married one day. And so prepare yourself now for marriage. So first, I just want to start with the ladies and just really talk about uh, this main idea. And Kenny, it should be um, on the slide, I believe, slide seven. It says this, if you're taking notes, what does it mean for a wife to submit and respect like Jesus? This is really the theme that we see Paul talking about for wives. So what does it mean to submit and respect like Jesus. I already feel like I'm stepping on toes this morning, but it's Paul saying it, not me. And so I pray that as I just share with you, I say it with grace and please know my heart um, and please see it from a perspective of if, as we start with the ladies first, if the man does not do his job, if the husband does not do his job, then it really doesn't work. But here's really what uh, I wanna share, what he is saying and what he's not saying. What Paul doesn't mean by this is that um, a wife is less valuable, incompetent, or less intelligent. Kind of a no-brainer. Paul is not saying that, that a woman, a wife is not under your thumb. And your uh, submission, a lot of people think submission is silence. Submission is not silence. Submission is respect. It's deference, that I'm going to defer to my husband. We're going to be a team. We're going to work together. I'm not going to try to uh, be over him. And he, when, as he is the head of me as his wife, he's going to do it in a way that is loving and is sacrificial. Think of it this way. I've heard it said that um, I have my, I'm right-hand dominant. And so there's things my right hand does that I never use my left hand for. Uh, but at the same time, if I don't have my left hand, I'm gonna be completely missing really the intentions of how my hands and arms are supposed to work. The same is with um, a woman. They have dominant features in their role in marriage as does a man, a man. so when both hands come together, guess what, they complement each other. The strengths are supposed to complement the husband and the strengths of the husband are supposed to complement the wife, not cause conflict. But in the world and society we live, how many of you know the hands in marriage cause a lot of the time more conflict than we see complement? And so you see that it doesn't mean that uh, the woman is underneath the man in that way as, as the man would be a dictator, but no, he is a selfless leader. Number two is of what it means to defer or submit or to respect is to influence your husband. You know, Brianna's my best friend and she influences me more than anyone. She has a loud voice in my life. And I'm so thankful because when I come up with an idea, I'm like, oh my gosh, we could do this for our church or we could do this in our home. She's like, well, did you think about this, that, this, this, and that? I'm like, no, I didn't, dang it. And then so we begin to talk through it and discuss it and work through it. And so I'm so thankful for the gifting that she has and the compliment she is in my life and how she seeks to influence me in a way to encourage me and to lift me up. And usually whenever you see a man that is serving and loving Jesus, he has a wife behind him that is encouraging him and pushing him forward. Proverbs 19.14 says that a prudent wife is a gift from the Lord, an understanding wife is a gift from the Lord. There's nothing better when your wife just understands you. And sometimes she'll just sit there and she'll just say, babe, I get it. I understand what you're going through. How can I help? And so we see that she seeks to influence her husband. Number three is, it doesn't mean if you're submissive that you can't share your thoughts and feelings. Ladies, this is very important for you to take time to process 
after a long day and sit down and share your thoughts and feelings. A lot of men, because either they've had a long day or mentally don't want to sit down and work with it, just want to kind of check out and just kind of let you talk but not really listen. You ever encounter that where you're talking but they're not listening? And so men, as our job with our wives is to take time to really listen and process and value her emotions and value her feelings. Because here's the thing, I'm going back and forth between men and husbands and wives, is the way I view Brie and the way we should view our wives is our wives are a garden and we are a garden and that garden has so much potential. But if you're a gardener, so I'm told, if you want a great garden, you have to be willing to put in the work. If you're not willing to put the work in and care over that garden, water uh, what needs to be watered and plant what needs to be planted, then you're not going to have a good garden. But if, as the husband, you're willing to garden her garden and invest into her and cherish her and lift her up and be a strength, then she's going to flourish and be all God has called her to be. Number four, this is a big one, is as a wife, you set a pattern for others to respect her husband. So what does that mean is if you have kids in the home and as a mom, you're disrespecting or you're verbally shouting or downing your husband in front of your kids, guess what those kids are probably going to do? They're going to go back and do the same at dad because of what they saw modeled to you. And so we see the importance of, that, of a wife setting a pattern of respect in, a, in another sphere it's when all the ladies get together and, man, y'all get talking, y'all get sharing. It's, it's understanding and guarding your words that you're not downing or disrespecting or kind of sharing your hurts or things in, in a way that disrespects your husband when you're with your girlfriends or whatever. So it's setting a pattern of respect. Number five is it doesn't mean that you ignore your husband's flaws. We got them and we got a lot of them but that you encourage the attributes of his character that are respectful. I'm telling you, there's nothing more powerful when a, when a wife, when Bree or, uh, comes beside her husband and encourages the things that he's doing right in his life. Because sometimes as husbands, we feel like failures. We feel like we're not doing anything right, so that's why we check out. But when we have a wife that comes beside us and encourages us, guess what? When we feel honored and respected, we will do anything for our woman. We will go to the highest depths. We will fight. We will serve. We will do whatever. But if there's that absence of respect, a lot of the times it's just, okay, I, I'm doing this out of duty, which there's times you have to do that. But God's best is to, for that harmony to be done out of the light, where you are serving each other out of the light, and you're getting the heart of what marriage is designed to be. Everybody doing good? Feeling good, good. And last but not least is, is a wife, man, when you take your cues from the Holy Spirit, from the Trinity, when you really see how Jesus submitted himself to the will of his Father in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not my will, but your will be done. Jesus constantly walked in submission, not going about his own business, but what? Going about his Father's business. So Jesus modeled submission, and I shared this in our Mystery of Marriage series, but the most Christ-like you can ever be is when you're in that place of submission like Jesus was and how Jesus modeled that. 
It's powerful. And if you have a spouse that doesn't serve God, that submission can just break something in him. It's hard to even explain, but it just does something because it goes against our flesh nature. And they're like, oh my gosh, how is this happening? God's doing a miracle through her and speaking to me right now. So your submission is powerful. Your deference is powerful. Your respect is powerful. Now going to the men, you know, under Adam, I wrote this down. We see when in the Garden of Eden, when Adam and Eve had sinned and Eve had eaten of the fruit, it's amazing because you read the account, Adam was nowhere to be found. He wasn't there when, when Eve had eaten of the fruit, so he was absent. And when God came and the sin had happened, the fruit had been eaten, Eve had eaten the fruit, but what did God say? He said, Adam, where are you? Because Adam was responsible. As men, as husbands, we're the ones that are ultimately responsible. Christ took that place of responsibility as head. He took responsibility for our sin by dying on a cross and rising again. The same is with us, as we're to be responsible in our families. We could talk about responsibility for a long time, but responsibility is something usually you feel a burden from. If you're responsible as a manager or you're over something or you're ahead of something, there is a burden that comes with that responsibility. And sometimes you're like, I can't take this burden anymore. I'm stressed out. I can't do it. So we just tend to kind of run from responsibility. But we see modeled through Jesus is that Jesus by his grace, will empower us to take responsibility and not be checked out, not uh, lose what Christ is trying to say. And so we have to ask this big question that Paul is, is what does it mean for a husband to love and to lead like Jesus? Because that's our, our role in this. That's the heart of what Paul is saying. Is head of our wife, again, it doesn't say head of the home because uh, both husband and wife work together as head of their home, but as husbands, our priority is, is, is head of our wives, again, is to love her like Christ loved the church. I, I like how it even says that, that she be without wrinkle or blemish, that if, you know, a way to see if a, if a, if a wife is feeling cherished is just to go and talk to her. Yes, they might have a provider, someone who works hard, puts in the time, and puts the bacon on the table, but the times and days we live in, those times are far gone. There's more that's expected of us is to be emotionally engaged, be a part of training children, that that's not just her job, but that is my job as well, that I'm gonna take responsibility for that. And again, it, it's a burden, and I think Paul wants us to feel that, to feel the burden that comes with fatherhood, that comes with being a husband. So really the question is, is am I supposed to be head? That's not the question, but am I a good head or am I a bad head? And again, as we step into these subjects, marriage is very complex. It's very uh, different perspectives, different scenarios, different situations. And so if you're here feeling like you've failed in marriage, that's not what Paul is trying to say. He's trying to lift your heads and say, hey, this is the design. And if you can step into this design, guess what? There's going to be grace, so much grace to empower you to begin to walk this way. Because a lot of the times with marriage, we feel like failures. We feel like we screwed up with the kids. Oh, my gosh, what was I doing? So there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of defeat we feel when we think about marriage. 
So I pray that you're not feeling that or allowing yourself to go there this morning, but that you open up, you be vulnerable with God, and you allow this, this word to really speak to you. Unfortunately, you look at statistics of men you know, leaving the home and stepping in uh, really to that next phase. That's why Paul said that you know, man should leave mother and father and become one flesh. Is if you look at statistics today, uh, more than ever, men are less likely to commit and be a part of a church. They're less likely to join the workforce. They're less likely um, to really step out and get an education. It even says that they're less likely to get a driver's license. So this culture and what we see culture try to push and portray on men is something that's really robbing initiative. It's robbing responsibility. It's saying, hey, don't take risk. Mooch off mom and dad as long as you can instead of stepping out. But the heart of God is that, man, you would take the risk. You would go for it. You would take the word of God and say, I know if I apply this word, if I take what God says I'm to be as a man, know that I'm loved, he's going to provide and give me the grace I need to do this. He wants you to be a good head, and he wants, you to, set, he wants to set you up to be a, the head with your wife and in your home. Number two, that we have to get in our spirit as men is we're not the highest authority. We have to know that there's spiritual authority in our life. There's governmental authority. And ultimately, as I said, Jesus Christ is the head of our home. He is the head of our lives. This was something that really kicked me in the gut when I began to get married is number three is we are to love our wife, not our marriage. We see movies and hallmarks and the things of how marriage is portrayed. We get this expectation and this idea in our mind and in our head of what marriage is. But then when you step into it and you're like, oh my gosh, that's not what I thought it was. I thought the dishes would kind of clean themselves or oh my gosh, I actually have to pay for water. I never knew I had to pay for a water bill. So all these things start towering up upon you and expectations begin to break. You begin to get frustrated and you're like, I had this script in my head and mentally I kind of handed it and put it on my wife and I fell in love with what the script of marriage was going to be, but not actually fell in love with who my wife is. And so there's power when you can kind of get past the Hollywood version of marriage and really step into what scripture says it is and how we're as men not supposed to uh, take everything we have and, and get a good hobby to kind of escape from the world, but really engage in it and watch as God empowers you and graces you to do it. So love your wife, not just your idea of what marriage is. Number four is your most important human friendship is with your wife. All the men said amen. Friendship and marriage is the glue that holds everything together. Without friendship, it will not work. And there's nothing worse when you experience just a distance from your spouse or you, you sense that the enemy is, is bringing a spiritual attack and you're like, why aren't we clicking? Why aren't we gluing? We've learned when we begin to feel that, we're not gonna talk. We're just gonna begin to pray. We're gonna take some time and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna talk. There's power in that. But Brittany and Barron, if you guys would help me real quick uh, with an analogy, I was, this was shown to me of really how marriages work on a friendship, friendship level, putting these guys on the spot. They love it. Yeah, good job, guys. So if you guys just stand here in the middle, um, you know, I've heard it said that 
marriages a lot can be back-to-back. So if you guys would just stand back-to-back for us. You know, when marriages are back-to-back, there's times in your marriages or where the enemy wants to take your marriage where this is what it's like, where you can't stand each other, you can't even look at each other, you don't want to work together. It, it takes all you can to even live in the same home together. You live totally separate lives. She does her thing, you do your thing, and then you come together because, hey, if two people pay in the mortgage, that works a lot better than just one of us. So this is really where the enemy wants you to find yourself in your marriage. Secondly is sometimes we see shoulder to shoulder. We're shoulder to shoulder on the outside to everyone else. It looks good. They're uh, coming to church. They're busy. They're working. They're raising kids. But there's really not a lot of intimacy. There's not a lot of connecting. There's very little communication. She kind of has her life. You have your life. You're nice to one another but there really isn't love and there's not um, uh, serving one another. So a lot of people find themselves shoulder to shoulder. And thirdly, this is, I believe, the heart of God in friendship and marriages face to face, where man, you're looking at each other in the eyes. There is love, it's not awkward. You don't need other things and people to fill the empty space in your life, but you are content you're working together. There's intimacy in your marriage and in your life. This is how God really designs for us to be. Christ is the center of your life. When you show up to church and when you're serving God, it's not a duty, but it's a delight. And when you think about it, this is how God wants us to be with him. And when we are with him, guess what? We are with each other. And so face-to-face is the place we want to be. Can you give these guys a hand? Very good. So my prayer is that you would take time to invest and have a friendship with your spouse, whether it's through hobbies or I I love with Bree and I, it was serving God together, going on outreaches. And when we first started dating, we would just, we wanted to serve God together. And so there's amazing things when you take time to invest and have a friendship with your spouse. I know it's a simple thing, but through time, you can grow distant. When the kids leave the house, you're like, oh my gosh, what a... Who are, I don't know you. And so when you have that empty nester syndrome, that can begin to kick in in the season of your life. But invest and have a friendship with your spouse. I love this too. Number five is love your wife, not who you hope. Love your wife for not who you hope she will become. Don't love who your wife can be. Love who she is and see who she becomes. So putting these expectations where I can only love her if she loses a little weight. I can only really be around her if she would stop complaining. I, I, I just can't t- love her for who she is and allow that love begin to begin to bring healing and earn her respect and earn her trust. Love your wife for whatever comes your way. There's times where a thought might cross your mind or a uh, you say it verbally where I didn't sign up for this. I have, I have no idea what, what is going on. I, you might go and you read a, the scripture where it says it's better for a man to be alone in the corner of an attic than in a large room with a quarrelsome wife. When you read a scripture like that, you're like, oh my gosh, I am getting my camping gear. I am climbing up to the attic and I'm going to apply the word of God. Love your wife, whatever comes your way. Maybe uh, you hear that, you know, there's a mental illness that your wife is experiencing. Love her. 
till death do you part. Maybe uh, there's cancer or a disease that's come in. You love her and you pray for her and you serve her as Christ loves the church. And last but not least, Bree, if you would come and lead us in a song, is, is men, as husbands, we're to be tough and tender as we love our wife as Christ loved the church. When you look at how Jesus was tough, how was he tough? He was tough with heretics. He was tough with heresy in the church, with false teachers. So there was a protection on the church because it's the church that he gave his life for. So he was tough to protect the very thing that was closest to him. But guess what? Those like you and I, when we fall short of the glory of God and when there's, we fall prey to sin in our old nature, he's not tough with us, he's tender with us. And he loves us back into the truth and he loves us into grace. So it's important that as men, we're not tough all the time, but that there is a tenderness. You know, Peter was sharing with a little, a little bit with me of how he loves his children. And it just, it really said something to me how when he uh, disciplines his children, they come and say, okay, come here, we're going to talk about what happened. And it might be a spake in, it might be go to your room, but you just don't do that. What you said to me really, really was awesome is sometimes you'll shout for your children to come and you'll just put them on your lap and you'll just love them that anytime you shout for them, it's not that they're in trouble, but hey, maybe you want to celebrate something they did or maybe you want to encourage them for what happened. God is the same way with us is when he's trying to get our attention, it's not that he's mad with us. He's just checking in with us and saying, hey, I want to connect with you. I want to be face to face with you. Why are you being shorter, why are you being hostile toward me? I wanna fill you with my love. I wanna show you what it means, men, to love and to lead in your life. Tough for the family, but tender with the family. Lastly, one more is we take responsibility for our family. Again, we're the gardener, our home, our children, our wife is a garden, and we're to invest and to shower it and to pour into it, to cherish it, that our wives wouldn't be spiritually dead and have spiritual wrinkles on them. But man, there's nothing better. I look at different marriages. I was just talking with Steve and Sandy, elders at our church, and just saying, Steve, it's so evident of how you have cherished and how you have loved Sandy, that at this point in your life, how you guys care for one another, how there's a joy within her, that there's a peace, because you have taken time, you've had your ups and downs, but it is evident when a woman has been cherished by her husband. And my heart, something that's very deep and personal on my heart is when there's broken families. It's something that it just, it really rips into me because the family is the fabric of society. The family, I believe, can bring revival into our churches, into our homes, into America. And so when we take time to truly focus in on this sacrament of family, on marriage, that's where you can see the Holy Spirit do some of his best work. He's not afraid of your mess ups. He's not afraid of, of, of what, he's gonna, what he might see. It's usually us that, oh my gosh, I feel like a failure, I can't do this. But as Cole shared last week, look at how the pursuit of Hosea and Gomer, of how he went after her even as a prostitute and fell back into prostitution. And that's what the love of God does for us. 
And if you're here and you have a blended family or you've experienced divorce or if there's affair and adultery and you've been through tough times and your trust has been weakened and you can't even look at him or you can't even look at her and you're just existing together because of the kids, that's not God's best. Put yourself in a place to get healing and get the love of Jesus in you and get forgiveness in you so that you can be all who God's created us to be. I want to pray for you this morning. And here in a second, Bree wrote a song that I believe just speaks of how Jesus wants to come and pursue us, pursue us and how he gets us. So if you would bow your head, I just want to take a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for this covenant of marriage. Father, I thank you for every soul here that, Father, you're our gardener and we're your garden. And you want to tend us. You want to plant things in us. You want to water us. You want to nourish us. God, I pray for every soul, for every heart here, whether they're married, not married, engaged, whatever it looks like, Father, they would open up their heart and allow themselves to be loved by you deeply. Allow their identity to be found so deeply in you. For them to know that you're proud of them that you want to bless them, that you want the best for them as a good father does. Father, as we talk about marriage, there's so many different angles and perspectives and situations. And God, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would speak to every spouse. You would speak to every couple, every family here, those watching online. God, that you would come and do surgery in our marriages and in our relationships. Father, it says that the church you're coming back for is a pure and spotless bride. God, let us be so loved by you where you've purified us, where as men we can truly sacrificially serve our wives and lay ourselves down as Jesus did to be that servant. And God, out of it, there would be this response of just respect and honor in the home through what women and wives bring I pray that you empower each and every one by your grace. We thank you, Lord, for this moment where Paul has ministered to us, where the timeless truth and a truthless world can bring healing to our lives. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It says in Psalm 121, it says, I look up to the mountains, does... My help come from there. It says, my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. He will not let you stumble. The one watches over you. He does not slumber. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over you and your life. The Lord watches over you as you come and as you go, both now and forever. And I sat down at the piano yesterday, and I just, I was like, here I am, and this is what I felt like the Lord gave to me. And so I just want you to just shut your eyes and allow just the Holy Spirit that um, as we're about to give our tithe and offering, that our help truly does come from the Lord, and any trial that you might be going through that... We will not forget what the Lord has done for us. 
Help comes from. 
you find yourself in marriage relationships when you turn your eyes to the hill know where your help comes from this morning too when you talk about something like marriage our heart is to make ourselves available and we have elders in the church available to help counsel or help walk through whatever you're going through relationally or with marriage in your life so we want to make that available we also have books and sermons and podcasts and things to help encourage you um, along these journeys in your life. But know the Holy Spirit's here and he loves you and he can make a way when there seems to be no way. And take this and allow it to continue to grow. Allow Jesus to garden you and minister to you. This morning as well, if my friend Colin would come uh, we have some awesome things happening uh, this summer. Colin's back. He just got back from uh, an awesome mission trip uh, in Romania, and God did a lot of amazing things, and um, his heart is to come and serve alongside Jenny and, and serve our youth and, uh, this summer. So Colin, I just wanted you to share a little bit, um, just kind of what your heart is, and just invite all of our teenagers to the powerhouse. Like you said, my name is uh, Colin Crook, and for those of you don't know me, I've been a part of this church literally my whole life. Um, it's helped develop me and strengthen me into who I am today. And I just finished my sophomore year at Oral Roberts University, and so this fall I'll be starting my junior year. Like you said, I just got back from Romania. I was there for two weeks leading a team of about 14 people, and it was amazing. We got to do school ministry and really love on the gypsy community, and so it was super awesome. But uh, my heart is for the it's for the generation. It's for this generation. It's for the youth. It's for the young people. And the Lord has really but just been stirring up my heart. He's given me clear vision and a heart full of faith to really just to come and to pour in to a generation that is lost, that is hurting, that the enemy is really trying to take out with anxiety and depression and insecurity and just all of this hurt. But I believe that this is a generation that the Lord is pouring his anointing right. out. He's pouring his purpose out on. Yes. And he's really just going to use them and raise them up, raise up leaders, raise up Billy Grahams, raise up Oral Roberts in this next generation for, for times to come to be able to stand up in these last days. And there's just a scripture that I want to share real, real quick. It's found in 1 Timothy 4.12. I love the scripture. It's, it's so powerful. It's the Passion Translation. It says, do not be intimidated by those who are older than you. Simply be an example they need to see by being faithful and true in all that you do. Speak the truth and live a life of purity and authentic love as you remain strong in your faith. And I think that's so powerful. And if anything gets me fired up, it's the words purity, faith, and love. And I, my heart is that every single person that walks through these doors 
would know that they are called, would know that they're chosen, and really carry that Timothy spirit. Yeah, I'm young, but I'm called. Yeah, I'm young, but I'm chosen. Yeah, I've struggled, but I'm still a son. Yeah, I've struggled, but I'm still a daughter in Christ. And this is something that a generation needs to hear that they don't know. They've never known the love of a father. They've never known a love. And this is something that I feel so strong. The Lord has called me to pour out onto this generation. And I'm so excited for the powerhouse. I'm so expectant for what the Lord is going to do in these these next eight, ten weeks that I'm here. And I'm so excited. And if you know any young people, if you know any... um, Families with, with kids or with, with, with young people, uh, just talk about the powerhouse. We're going to be doing some fun things this summer. It's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm so excited for what the Lord is going to do. So it's going to be awesome, and we're super expectant here at the gathering place. Amen. You give him a hand. It's awesome. So you can tell there's just passion that uh, comes from Colin and knowing him my whole life, seeing him grow up in the youth group and Jenny and, and Gary just pouring, investing into us. Um, we're excited to see you come and just serve uh, this generation and serve uh, just the heart for the house. Uh, so as the ushers come this morning, you know, one of the, the main core values that this church just bleeds is investing into the next generation with our school growing. It's amazing uh, that our school has already uh, reached uh, enrollment that's surpassed the past three years. So we're seeing great growth in our school. Um, We're seeing uh, our youth ministry, man, just believing God to do great things in that. So as you give this morning, know you're investing into the next generation, into the children, into the house. If you would pray. Colin, why don't you pray for um, our offering as we give this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you for, for this morning, God, and we thank you for all that you're doing in the gathering place, Lord, that you're stirring us up and that you're preparing us for what you have next, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that you would bless every hand that gives, Lord Jesus, that you would just pour out an abundance of, of blessing, an abundance of, of your love on them, God, as they give with open hands, Lord, that even though there may be a mountain in front of us, Lord Jesus, that you would allow us to walk up that mountain with our hands wide open, God, giving all that we have with a heart of, of praise and a heart of thanksgiving, God, knowing that you are going to multiply and that you are going to bless it. So Lord Jesus, I just pray for every seed that is planted today, God, that we will see the harvest and that we will see you move in each and every seed, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you for the message that Pastor Garrett gave today, that it would not just be something that we hear and we walk out, but it would be something that we apply to our lives, that we walk in on a daily basis, and that others would see your love and your glory shown through that. So we, Lord, we just thank you for today, and we thank you for this offering, and we ask that you would bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Colin. Awesome. Last but not least for... Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were blessed. For more messages like this one, check out our website at gatheringplacechurch.com.